Welcome to Blackbird episode, I don't even know what episode this is, 81. My name is James. I'm doing these intros so like informally now that I'm live streaming. I am joined today by the great Top Lobster. He is, of course, the official artist of the libertarian podcast movement. It's <laughs> definitely a movement unlike post-libertarianism, which is a moment or something. Anyway, Top, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm a fan. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan of yours too. We bumped into each other in Orlando. I just bumped into my desk. Oh man, I've got to get used to being on camera um, because like my desk is super shaky. Like if I just happen to nudge it and you're going to get dizzy a little bit, but like it just fucking wobbles everywhere. Um, yeah. I have an issue because I don't do many podcasts. I do podcasts, but not my own. So sometimes I'll grab the microphone like like this yeah. and I'll, <laughs> I'll hold it. And then I realize that if I listen back, I, I can hear it like boggling around because it's very yeah. sensitive. So I'm like, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what, what was I saying? So you're like the official artist of Josh Smith and a bunch of other people. I've got your t-shirt on right now. People who are watching can see it as the NPC meme. I've got a couple more sitting next to me because uh, I'm against my better judgment going to LP conventions. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to have something to wear. So I guess why don't we start with just kind of you introducing yourself because um, like everybody kind of knows who you are, but I don't think they feel like they like know you, like what you do other than just kind of being the guy who's drawing all these amazing portraits. Yeah. Uh, so my name is, is actually Danny. You guys can call me Danny, but I, you know, the company name is Top Lobster. So I use that a lot. And uh, that's, I guess, what you know me as, but I'm a truck driver full time and I drive around here locally in New York and I move heavy construction materials. Before that, I did heavy construction with like building railroads and houses and things like that. And I'm trying to move into a, a softer field, a more artistic field. So we'll, we'll see if we can do that. But uh, yeah, I have I guess you know me from a lot of the stuff that you see with Josh Smith. I was lucky enough to hop on board with him when the show first started. And uh, now I'm doing art for Reed. You see the naturalist capitalist here. We've got his merch. Clint, I do art for Tower Power Hour, No Way Jose. I've done for whatever. Anyone, pretty much you can name it and I might have some artwork there. So yeah, that's yeah. that's me. <laughs> you even did a picture of me, which uh, I'm honored to have been invited to be on Josh Smith's show next week, I think. So uh, I've got my little portrait that might become a profile picture or something like that. Oh, that um, got pushed I noticed, back. Okay. Yeah. 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 We were going to do it. We were going to do it this past week, but uh, it was on Friday night. Like, you know, I mean, not that libertarians are doing much on Friday nights, but we weren't going to have much of an audience. And also like Josh wasn't feeling well. He had a long day at work and stuff. So I was like, yeah, let's just push it to Thursday. What the hell? So I was a little bit surprised when I started seeing naturalist capitalist stuff along with like the portraits that you do, because the naturalist capitalist stuff is a lot more like graphic designy where the other stuff is more like illustratory. Are you like pretty well versed in like all forms of graphic design? Is there one that you like better? Yeah, I I would say like whenever you see my work, you'll see that it's usually people oriented. So I start with a person and I can go from there and make it crazy. But I feel like I have been getting better with the the logo stuff. It's a different mentality when you're doing a logo because you really want to be familiar with the person and with the show, and you want to encapsulate that into something simple. Like I, I didn't, I actually didn't do this design, but I love whoever because it's, it's very simple. You've got the flame there, you got the Liberty Bell right here, and then the two flames on the side. 
And it just works, you know, it works aesthetically. It's really simple. It's really nice. Whereas sometimes I find myself drawing and then I'm like three hours in and, and I've done something like wacky. There's like a thousand things going on. I love that style, but I'm, I am learning how to do, you know, logos and more simple things. So yeah, Josh yeah. was podcasting like five days a week for a while there. I think he's, I think he's toned that back a little bit. I mean, was that just killing you? At first, uh, there was some times where I wanted to, I was going to call him and be like, Hey man, you know, maybe I could just do like a, a Photoshop of someone's face. But I was like, nah, fuck it. Let's, let's like really, you know, let's do this. If, if we're going to do this, let's do it. I made the commitment. And, you know, I actually got a lot better at drawing. Like sometimes I'll pull up some of my old work if I want to, uh, like I'll do it a lot. I'll reuse someone's face or reuse a graphic and I'll throw it here and there, change it up, make it different. Like the bird that I did on your chest and in Josh's image there, it's a bird that I drew a while ago and I never used. So I'm like, I searched through and I found it. And when I was looking, I was like, mm, the technique that I use for this isn't so great, but it'll work for what I had to do. And you know, you can't tell the difference, but when I open it up, the inner workings of it, I'm like, oh God, what was I doing? But anyway, drawing all of those portraits for Josh really consolidated my efforts in how I do these things. So if I know what I'm doing, I'll knock it out really quick. But uh, I don't know, it really depends on the piece. But yeah, Josh worked me like a freaking horse and I'm a lot better for it. So thank you, Josh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff you do for Tower Power Hour is hilarious. Well, actually, some of the stuff you do for Josh too. I mean, like that one with Will Fight. Holy shit. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God. Like, is he trolling or is, <laughs> is Will like sign off on it? Like, do you just come up with that stuff or do, do you like get ideas from, like, I don't know if you're funny. I know the Tower Power guys are <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I smoke a lot of crack. So sometimes, like, on, oh. the, on the way down from it, I have these ideas in it. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I am sort of funny. I, I have a little chat. I'm, I'm in a chat with the Tower Power Hour guys, like the main guys from the podcast, and they're mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. So a lot of the times, like we'll bounce ideas around and we'll just shit post and you know say crazy stuff. And sometimes I'm like, that's a that's a drawing, or the latest one I did for Josh where the censor these nuts. So uh, he was on Dan Smot's show and he took a COVID test. So he, that picture is him actually sticking a I think it's a Q-tip in his nose. He's like. But I just yeah. thought it was great. So I was like, oh, I'm going to draw that. And I drew him smoking it. Yeah, you got the shirt there. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're right. I yeah, actually took a-, <laughs> a screenshot of that from Dan Smots' show. You're yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that was like last week. Yeah, what I is? did it. Yeah, it was immediate. It was, sometimes if I see something or I have it on it, like an idea in my head, I'm like, shit, I got to draw it right away. That was one of the things where I was like, all right, this is it's time sensitive. I got to draw it right away. But uh yeah, I, I guess uh, I get a lot of the ideas from the guys or sometimes tweets in general. And if it inspires me, I'll just go ahead and draw it. But the Will Fight thing, I love Will Fight. I think what he's doing is great. And uh, we were trolling him because he, he looks like uh, Chris Bangle. You know who that is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looks uh, like from, Chris Bangle. <laughs> from We Are Libertarians, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah, I don't know him personally, but, uh, you know, he's, I guess he's sort of like blue pilled. So if we were to compare like Will Fight, who's a Republican to Chris Spangle, it offends him. So initially we were like, oh, we're going to have Will Fight on the show. And I just put a picture of, of Chris Spangle up that I had drawn a long time ago for whatever reason. And uh, then it was a double troll. And then when the episode premiered, Josh put up the picture of Will Fight as the, you know, the black dude with his dong hanging out. <laughs> so he had no idea. He had no idea what we were doing, but he's like, he was cool with it. And <laughs> oh my God. That's great. Yeah, Chris Spangle. I don't want to like gossip or whatever, but so Chris Spangle was one of my like kind of entry points into libertarianism, which I don't know if I would say that I'm like exiting libertarianism at this point. I'm kind of 
like I'm sympathetic to what Popular Liberty and Pete and all them are kind of doing. I don't know if I'm quite as radicalized as Pete, but it does kind of disappoint me to see some of these guys who were like just so f- instrumental in my formation. And I mean, everything that I have thought for the last 10 years or so was shaped by these guys. And like Reason Magazine, especially, to see their kind of downfall over the last couple of years has really, like, it's been, it's been like, a, like a personal thing for me. I think you're probably younger than I am. So maybe you weren't like around in sort of the 2008 to 2010 kind of era of this new thing that's happening surrounded by Ron Paul and, and all the people that he sort of influenced. But what do you make of what's been going on? Like this transformation in sort of our movement and also in the culture at large. So I, I got into this, into like politics fairly recently. So I'm probably, I'm 33. So we might be around the same age. Yeah. But uh, as far as libertarianism, I am, I am a lot younger than you in, into this. But I did kind of catch that phase that you're talking about where, you know, it's like pure libertarianism where people are talking about ideals and ideology and theory and stuff like that. And it's great. But <laughs> this is probably blasphemy to say. I just feel like the times are moving and you have to adapt to what's going on. So even someone like Josh Smith, I remember seeing him in the beginning, like when I first started getting interested in this, and he was more left than he is today. When you talk to him on, yeah, when you talk to him on Thursday, you'll understand where he's at. And it's because the last two years have been a smack in the face to people like us, people who we we understood the theory, but then, then, then you get smacked with like straight up fascist tyranny. And you're like, well, this is not working right now because we're getting abused. So your ideas have to change and move forward and you have to mold your mind and, and really figure out what's next. And I do like what PQ is doing, Andrew from Popular Liberty. I enjoy Matt Erickson. These guys are all, I'm not sure if they're doing the right thing, but I feel like you're trying. We're trying to like, you're struggling stupidly until you figure out the clear direction. It's really true. It's like, you know, uh, if you've ever done jujitsu, someone's grabbing you and you kind of struggle and you move around and you can see where there's a weak point and you find it. And then that's where you focus your efforts. And I feel like maybe the post-libertarian movement is sort of that. They're saying, this is not working. So let's figure out something that can help us win. And I am very sympathetic. I'm, I'm right there with you. But it is, uh, it's disappointing to see people kind of staying in the same spot as far as like the theory goes. Like, like the big L libertarians, some of them are, I guess, taking the knee to whatever the, the corporate narrative is. Maybe they're scared of COVID. But I also think it's a good thing because there's a lot of people out there that are holding true to these ideas of libertarianism because they are still good. So sometimes I feel like maybe I could find myself straying a little too far, like saying, all right, DeSantis should do X, Y, Z. It's not going to work out well for us in the end because you know that that power will be used against you later. But is it a tool in the short term? Absolutely. So it's a struggle. Yeah, that's the issue I have too, is that like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, I think kind of everybody was a little bit worried. I mean, there were a few people who were just like super red-pilled. Those are the people who like, I don't trust basically anything they say because they'll call everything a conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, I, I was not completely opposed to the idea that, you know, public health authorities, like if there is a role for the state, then this is it. That was especially common in Reason. And like, I used to read Reason and listen to their podcast like religiously. So maybe that's just the reason. That's why I think it was from reason was because like they were the ones who were saying it and I was listening to them. But 
like it didn't take long before I realized, no, this is setting precedence for, you know, I mean, sure, maybe a lockdown now is going to stop the spread of this virus. I didn't think so when the lockdowns happened. But if they lock us down now, then what will they use lockdowns for in the future? So I kind of had the same concern about if DeSantis wants to ban ideology X from companies or whatever it is. I guess public schools probably has a different, like the government has authority over public schools. So if, if DeSantis wants to ban CRT from public schools, sure, fine, do it. But to prohibit companies and not necessarily state adjacent companies, like if you're a defense contractor, well, then, you know, you made your bed and I'll lie in it. But if you're a mom and pop coffee shop that wants to require masks or won't let people in without getting the jab, then I think that's kind of your prerogative. We say the same thing for better or for worse about like racial segregation. So I guess that's my issue with, oh, I hear your phone. Yeah, yeah. Oliver's, <laughs> Oliver's screaming down there. Yeah, that's I, great. that was a good point. The thing with DeSantis with the, uh, so he was going to find companies $5,000 that did enforce the vaccine mandate. And, you know, I could see how this is bad on one end, but on the other side, I'm a fan of that hopping community idea. And it's like, well, this is not a hopping community, obviously, but we are separating I think this country needs to be separated like in half or into a million pieces at least. And this is the first step. If you don't like it, if you don't like what he's doing here, you're free to go somewhere else. New York has told me such. They said, we don't, actually, we hate you and you can just get out of here. We're going to raise your taxes. We're going to shut down your businesses. We're going to make your life miserable on top of how shitty the city is anyway, usually. So they tell you that without telling you directly. So I, I, to me, I don't see a problem if Florida does the same. They're saying, well, we don't want these types here. So beat it. So I, yeah. I think that that's good in a way. I see how it could be used against you later. But what choices do we have right now? You know? Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I, I guess, like, if I'm libertarian, I'm a hoppian. Like, that's where I land. At some point, I think big becomes too big. Like, Florida is the fourth, fourth most populous state, I think, something like that. I think that DeSantis might be exercising authority over too many people. So... I take your point and I, I'm sympathetic to it, but I think that probably that sort of decision should be made at the municipal level. And unfortunately, you know, all the municipalities that would make such a decree are run by authoritarian Democrats. I, I can't see a, you know, I, like I wouldn't think that the mayor of Fort Worth, for instance, who is most likely Republican, like Fort Worth is one of the most conservative big cities in the, in the country. I can't imagine the mayor of Fort Worth would like ban mask mandates in private businesses, for instance. Like, I just don't see him going, doing that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who the mayor of Fort Worth is, but like... Well, Republicans are generally cowards. And the reason they're cowards is I understand why. I mean, at some point in my life, I was, you know, before I was really interested in politics or understood how it really influenced my everyday life, I would call myself a coward, kind of go along to get along. Always in my heart disagreeing with like things that were going on around me, but couldn't verbalize why or understand why. And it's probably because the culture is not on your side. The culture is very much to the left of you. So when I see DeSantis make, if he, even just talking about it, what Trump did, talking about making a big sweeping motion, don't even do it. Just say it. That's enough to start to like get people to pick their heads up from the sand. Because there's a lot, you know, there are a lot of people who agree with our line of thinking, but they just are scared to speak up. I mean, look at what's happening with Joe Rogan right now. You know, they're going to cancel this guy. But you know that there's a very small minority of people. They're just loud. The rest of us, you know, I watch the show. A lot of people like the show. A lot of people like Joe Rogan, but they're not going to really speak up for him. 
because they know the culture is not on their side. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's grains of sand, man. The more that this stuff happens, the more that, you know, you have strong leadership, whether it be Republican or even especially libertarians. Say what you feel, man. You want to talk like, like actually say it out loud and mean it. Have some back into it. Don't water down your message. And maybe we could start to move, shift the culture a little by little in our direction. I think that's how you'll affect like the smaller, the smaller municipalities, you know, mayor or uh, sheriff in the town, things like that. You know, mm. what do you think is going to happen to Brogan? Do you think that Spotify will like ultimately take him off or are mm. they just going to continue just removing episodes kind of one by one? Yeah, they're going to take him off. I told Tommy Sammons like right away on Twitter, he was talking about it. And I was like, it's the obvious move. Like, I'm surprised the music industry didn't realize it sooner. They're heavily left wing. Every artist that gets paid there, they'll get millions of views and get paid $25 a month. You know, mm-hmm. for Barbara Streisand, like, <laughs> what's that? Like, she's not even cashing those checks. So what is there to lose? They have their ideological message and then they, they can push it that way. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing for them to lose except for, uh, you know, pushing out someone they disagree with. And who really owns these people is the question. And what's their agenda? What's their narrative? And I think you know that already. So, yeah, they, what they're going to do is uh, they'll get enough people to hurt Spotify. I think Spotify is going to die. There's, they, they, didn't, they didn't choose a side. They think that they can play, you know, centrist in this case. And so does Joe Rogan. He thinks that he can appease everybody. But you don't realize that there's a culture war going on right now. And it's, it's a hot culture war. It's, it, it's not, you know, actually, it is, it's kind of violent. Look at 2020. This is the direct cause of a culture war. And most people don't realize that they're playing in it. So now you're a casualty. Joe Rogan, won't, he won't die from it. He'll survive. He'll go somewhere else. Maybe go to Odyssey. You know, but probably not. Maybe he'll make his own platform. But I don't see how can Spotify recover from this. It's just going to be a trickle one by one of these musicians taking their music down from the platform because who cares? You know, they don't even get Yeah, So no, they're going to have to cut Joe Rogan because they didn't make a stand right away and saying, we're not doing anything. Yeah. And that's that. Rogan would, Rogan would do well on Rockfin. They've got, like he fits all of their demographics. Like they've got comedians, MMA, and conspiracy theorists. Like that's, that's yeah. their entire thing. So yeah. and he would make them a fortune. Holy shit. You mentioned the culture war. And this is not original to me, but like, our society is in a state of decay. It's not even decline. It's like, it's just rotting. Yeah, and, it's already dead. Yeah, well, my opinion on this, and this is why, like, I'm, for instance, leaving my uh, position in the LP, this is why I'm kind of, like, not commenting on politics per se, so much as, like, bringing people on who are kind of making a life for themselves separate from all the systems. Do you think that it is worth it for most people to like fight against this cultural de- decay? Like, is the culture war our fight to enter? Or should we like instead be insulating ourselves from it? I don't think it's our fight to enter. I think it's smart for us to like take pop shots from the outside, which is what I do all day long. I'll do social commentary, but I'm not involved with the culture at all. I have no interest in entering it. I have no interest in changing it. Most of the people that I know in New York, I, have no, I don't have no interest. I have no interest in converting them because I see that they're already dead. So it is what it is. But uh, P. Quinone said a long time ago, before you even knew who I was, he says, uh, basically, America is dying. This culture is dying. And I think he was wrong because I think it's already dead. But he said, start building what you want to see in its place. And that's what we need to do. Start building. Let this stuff die. These people are dancing fools as, you know, as the towers crumble on their heads. So 
your efforts would be better focused on building what you're doing. And to libertarians, that means also means stop tearing each other down. So <laughs> please, for Christ's sake, stop that. But yeah, build what you're doing. And and what I do is I use this dying culture. It's it's a mockery. It's just something that I can point at and build my shit. So I'll take some of your bricks that are, that are falling and I'll start building my stuff. But I have no interest in reforming the culture or even being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what Tommy was telling me the other day. He, I don't know if he said it publicly or not, but we were talking, like I was kind of black-filled on this whole trucker thing, the protests in Ottawa. You know, I mean... Justin Trudeau will start marching people onto boxcars before he gives up power willingly. And even if the truckers win like some small victory where like, you know, the mandates get rolled back or whatever, I mean, the damage is done. Like mm. the next crisis, Justin Trudeau now has all of these and, and the, the government of Canada in general, not just Trudeau. I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to be prime minister for much longer, but the damage is done. They've got these arrows in their quiver now. I mean, you look at the TSA, it's completely ineffectual and yet it still exists. And we don't, we, nobody knows why. We just have resigned ourselves to the fact that forever and ever until the complete desiccation of the airline industry, we're going to be taking off our shoes at the airport. We are now going to be wearing masks at some places, not everywhere, obviously, but every flu season, there are going to be businesses that require masks. Even though they, they do nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that is what this has done to the culture. It's, it's like a, they always say politics is downstream of culture, but this is entirely the government shaping the culture. People have become so afraid and so irrationally dependent on these little talismans like masks and shots, and they've become like a literal virtue signal. No amount of protest is going gonna, is gonna to do that. No amount of proving that masks do nothing is going gonna, is gonna to change that. So I'm really yeah. black, like black-pilled on this. So did you have something you wanted to say to that? Because I... I yeah. I said like a, a joke like two years ago that, uh, I mean, borders are anti-Semitic, but so what? <laughs> in like 15 years or 10 years or so, there's going to be kids walking around with masks on. And when you ask them why, because COVID, maybe COVID will not even exist at that point, they probably won't be able to explain it. Like kind of how like a Jewish person will wear a yarmulke and you'll say, ask a kid and say, why do you wear that? And they're like, I don't know, they, somebody told me and that's just what oh, we yeah. do now. <laughs> yeah, so well, that's, that's, not, yeah, that's what it'll be. Yeah, that's not anti-Semitic at all. I mean, that's just Talmudic law is... is so much of it, like there was a reason for it and nobody knows what they are now. I think like head coverings during prayer has something to do with, uh, with like shielding yourself from God or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Or I, uh, eating shellfish or, or pork yeah. because, you know, they were, they were getting sick from that. Yeah. yeah. All of that. Yeah. Um, so no one knows why now it's just religion. Actually, it was an interesting video I saw on Twitter today. It was a bunch of people like worshiping, like hands up worshiping, and they were talking about racism and stuff like that. It's like it's a religion. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that you just have to you just have to look at any like DSA meeting for <laughs> to see to see what I mean. The, the the DSA is sort of the organizational arm for white people anyway of, <laughs> of the of the contemporary uh, American left. You know, I mean, the people in the congregation are, are all white. I mean, the people on the stage are generally women of color, but, um, you know, I mean, you just have to like, they, they don't clap because clapping might trigger somebody. So they do this, they do the hand, the jazz, jazz hands, hands. Or whatever. Yeah. And, and like it does, it looks like a Pentecostal worship service. It's why I'm partially sympathetic to the message of someone like a Matt Erickson, where I know, I know you saw the, the tweet from, uh, James Lindsay, where he's, you know, he was uh, like upset with, or he's angry at Christians and God and stuff like this. But, you know, again, they found a way to organize a religion around progressivism. 
And you see how that's taking off because it's, it's a good way to uh, collectivize people. And again, libertarianism is about individuality. But if you're dealing in reality, you, you realize that uh, you kind of need to uh, collectivize people a little bit because mm-hmm. if everybody's just an individual, then I don't know, we're all running around with no shirt on and no pants on at libertarian conventions and not getting anything done. So we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's something to that. And my background is uh, I am Christian. I grew up in church. I met my wife in church. I played, I was the music leader in the band in church and I was disillusioned with it. I hated it for years because of the people there. And then as you get older, you realize, uh, you know, the people are in the church, but there's bigger ideas that I think are more important. And I pass them down. My daughter right now, I just dropped her off at church. She's with my parents. But there's something important there that we should not discard, in my opinion. You know? And yeah, I, I don't know. There's something to that. There's something to that. Are you Catholic? No, a Pentecostal Christian. So okay. Grew up in like what? a Spanish Pentecostal church and now like a, an American Pentecostal church. I've noticed that a lot of Latinos who do not grow up Catholic are Pentecostal. You know the background there? No, nah, I'm not really sure. I never asked. <laughs> my own uncle, uh, they owned a church in Coney Island. And uh, my grandmother was very big into church. So we went there. And, and then uh, after that, my parents went to another church that was also Pentecostal. There is a difference in the culture there where I feel like a Pentecostal or, or the other denominations, they'll, they're more free-flowing with their, with their preaching and their message. And, and they actually influence you to read the Bible. Whereas Catholics, I feel like every time I've gone, like, it's very like, it's a chant. It's kind of like straightforward. It's a little more boring. Where mm-hmm. Pentecostal is like, you know, it's like jazz. You know, sometimes it can be fun. If, if you're going to a good church, if they have good music, it can be fun. If you have a good speaker, it can be flamboyant and it can be interesting. Almost like a like a podcast, you know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, yeah, I mean, LB Muniz, like when he does interviews, he always has this intro where he talks about a good interview is like jazz. Like he he compares the two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Free flowing. We don't we don't know where it's gonna go, you know. And uh, that's actually as a musician, one of my one of my favorites. I I love the blues. I love rock, but always add a tinge of jazz in because there are those not just blue notes, but uh, off notes that don't belong. That if you can figure out how to blend them in and make it interesting. It's interesting for the listener and the player. So yeah, I, I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. What are blue notes? Blue notes would be uh, like a, a chromatic notes in between. Uh, if you're playing, uh, let's just say the scale of C. So it's all whole steps. So C, D, E, F, G. You can play C, C sharp, D. And that C sharp doesn't quite belong there. That's a blue note. But if you, if you kind of skip by it, you'll note it. When you hear the blues, you there's a certain flavor to it and you understand that, oh, that's blues and yeah, the technicality. You know. Yeah. So, it, well, in the blues, in a blues scale, you can do the blue notes. Maybe there's probably two, two blue notes that you can play. In jazz, you play all 13 and just go anywhere you want. Just have to make it make sense and resolve or maybe don't even make it make sense. Who gives a fuck? They, you know, some guys just do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think I knew that you were a musician until we started talking. And actually, we we had a little pre-show just kind of getting to know each other again. You mentioned that like you were supposed to be deaf or something like that. Can you can you elaborate oh. on that before we get back to before we get back to Canada? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I was born, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck twice. So I guess it was at the time where they they were doing sonograms, but they couldn't really 
tell as good. You know, they have like these crappy like black and white TV stuff. So they're telling my mom to push and she's pushing and they realize that I'm in distress and my heart rate is going up. So they're like, oh, what the fuck's going on? So they did an emergency C-section. Turns out I had it wrapped around my neck. And when I came out, I think that caused like spinal damage to me because I had issues with my ear, my left ear. So the doctors would say he's not going to be able to talk like properly because if you can't hear, you can't speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, he's definitely not going to be able to hear, like be good and hear music because his his, his hearing will be messed up. Uh, Growing up, I had really bad earaches until, I don't know, five or six. And my dad, he would be with me in the emergency room in the middle of the night, man. God bless that guy because I I got kids now and it's it's tough when you're working and well you gotta, yeah, yeah last time we were on a podcast together I think it was Jose's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to you had to drop out early because your kid your kid had something going on with you and like yeah I mean I don't have kids I've got a dog like that's about it I think one time he like threw up in the middle of a meeting that was pretty much it that's that's the that's the worst that's ever happened to me so yeah, yeah I mean I I can't imagine the stress that your dad went through and that you were going through that night and everything yeah and you know for him. It was constant. It was, he said maybe twice, three times a week, he's in the emergency room. And, you know, the guy's up 4 a.m. and then goes to work. He was a mailman, comes back at 6 p.m., does it all over again. But imagine going to the hosp- uh, hospital in the middle of the night for that. So they, they got fed up with, they were like, yo, we got to try something because the doctors are just, you know, they don't know what to do. They're giving me medicine. They're just treating the symptoms. And they tried, they brought me to a, a chiropractor, which is, you know, frowned upon, I guess. And the guy tapped on my my spine a little bit a couple of times. He, I don't know how he figured it out. And he would just tap, tap, tap. And, you know, I don't know, realigned my spine. And now here I am fine. And just, I'm a little retarded, but, you know, that's that's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the umbilical cord's fault. Um, <laughs> yeah, my aunt's, a, my aunt's actor, we used, to, uh, we used to go to her, you know, actually, I was in a few car accidents when I was like, I think seventh grade and, and a couple more like in high school. And, uh, so I was going to her like five times a week. I mean, mostly it was so that she could get the money from my insurance, but like <laughs> it definitely worked. I swear by chiropractic. Yeah. And when I started going to the chiropractor again, like a year ago or so, my partner was like, oh, that's junk science, blah, blah, blah. Like there's no, there's no studies that show that chiropractic is real. I'm like, well, I mean, it works for me. I don't know. Like, I mean, if you look it up on Wikipedia, sure. The evidence of the efficacy of chiropractic is slim. But like, yeah, but if if you go on Wikipedia, the the evidence of the efficacy of a vaccine is a hundred percent. See, I'm I'm giving my I give myself myocarditis the original way right here with this monster. So nice. fuck that shit. But yeah, I, I I'm not a doctor, but if you are gonna go to a chiropractor, I guess you know do your homework on the person because if they're messing with my spine or whatever they're doing, it's yeah. probably important that the person knows what they're doing. So be careful with that. <laughs> my chiropractor. So I walked into the office. Like I knew that he was pretty, he was pretty red pilled because uh, I was actually a referral. My my friend was going to him, and like he told me, "Oh yeah, this guy doesn't wear masks." I'm a little nervous going in there. Like I, t- I asked him if he could put one on for me. I'm like, okay. So I so I, I go to him, and you know I'm wearing my mask. We had a mandate, and you know it was just like everybody was wearing them everywhere. So I walked in the office. He goes, "I don't. I mean, do you mind if I take this off?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm a. What did I say? Oh, I said I'm a." anti-masker or oh no i'm a sci- i said i'm a science denier that's what i was you know, that's what the thing was you're denying science if you don't wear the mask he goes oh well i'm a nonsense denier and just <laughs> we hit it off since then i i actually have been meaning to get him on the show because he's he actually just bought like a three acre property out in the out in the country and is homesteading um, oh wonderful yeah pretty great 
Sorry, Actually, uh, not, not not to cut you off, but yeah, I we purchased ten acres, me and my wife, in Florida, as Gosh. like a it's yeah it's a second home there, and I've been doing like a lot. I don't know if you've noticed on my Twitter, I'm like, what's the deal with ducks? What's up with chickens? And I because now I have like maybe like five thousand followers or something, and I know it's such a great community. I could just be like, yo, what's up with those chickens, bro? And like a hundred people will start talking about chickens and. So I'm I'm interested in that. I'm interested in in the homestead and starting, you know. But obviously, it'll be difficult with the with the distance. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm doing that. I want to be a little self sustaining. That's I think awesome. It's a, you, so have you guys have you guys moved in to that place, or are you you said you were, I think renting, right? Yeah, we're we're in New York. I still work here, so it's a yeah, it's a struggle. It's you know, but but we do own out there. We have the land, so. We're gonna start up and uh, split my time. Go over there, come over here, and until you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll uh, be down there for the convention on the um, coming down the twenty fifth. But I'm going to be probably all day Saturday. I'll be there. So if you're listening to this, find me. I look like this, and I'll have <laughs> I'll have like a I'm bringing t-shirts if they come here in time, and I'm bringing those Tom Wood stickers that actually I didn't have. They didn't get here uh, for the Tom Woods thing, but uh, I'll be giving them out. So a little oh, old, man. but if yeah, I need yeah. to get one of those. Actually, I'll send you my address. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a couple. Um, yeah. All right, let's get back to Tommy's advice to me because um, I wanted to make this point. So we're talking about the truckers. I'm black pilled on it because I think that the government is just going to continue overreaching and you know the ratchet theory and all that stuff. But Tommy's point was, look, these truckers are not doing this to defang the government. They're doing this to stave them off for a little bit so that you have time to buy a 10-acre property in Florida, disentangle yourself from the systems of control. Like you have a little bit longer. Agenda 2030 is not Agenda 2022. It's Agenda 2030 because they understand that like this is going to take them longer to do than maybe some of their more idealistic allies would hope. Yeah. They were aggressive. They were aggressive with that time, that time frame. Uh, and that, that's probably been planned for a long time. I think yeah. Trump fucked them up a little bit with that. It, I don't see, I, that's the thing. When you get into this conspiracy theory, it's yeah. like, it could be like, well, Trump won because this or that. He had people in the deep state that were, or they'll say Trump won because he's, uh, he's part of it. Who really knows? But from the way it looks to me, all signs say whether he was placed there or not, he kind of screwed up their plans with whatever he was doing. I don't think he accelerated them. I think I think that he, I think he forced them to accelerate their plans, and then that's why you're seeing a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they're not mistakes. Maybe it's jujitsu. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's hard it's, to say. It's really hard to say. That's why, to me, like the most important thing is what Tommy said: insulating yourself, not not fighting against it because you know the more you fight against it if these so they're either super incompetent and if you protect yourself from them then you know great you're better off for it uh and they're gonna fail or they are not incompetent they know exactly what they're doing and they're gonna win and if you're insulated from them well great you've better you've you've made yourself a better a better place in the world and you will be that much more resistant to tyranny when it does actually happen um, if you think if you're of the mindset that these people can't be beaten then I don't even know what we're doing here. You know, like, because I, I guess right now, the pod, any podcast, any anytime I even draw, like, why am I, besides like, you know, making a little bit of money, I'm drawing to hopefully have, you know, spread a message and maybe have some people have a conversation about something that they wouldn't yeah. otherwise think about or talk about. 
is why am I doing that if if I think that these people are you know uh, omnipresent or omni- uh, what's the word <laughs> Om- omnipotent omnipotent yeah they, I don't yeah. I don't think that they are I think that I think that they are smart people they have a plan I think that their plan fails oftentimes and blows up in their face then they recoup and they re and they they try a different direction they do something yeah. else well that's the, yeah. the the recoup and trying something different is the part that makes me think that they're going to continue doing this. Are you familiar with Bob Higgs and the ra- the ratchet effect? No. Okay, I, so the I probably am, effect, but go. Yeah, I'll I'll just I'll just tell you. The ratchet effect basically says that the government will gain this like this much power. Mm-hmm. So and then they will eventually walk back, but they'll only walk back like so much. They won't go all the way back to where they started from. They go yeah. back, you know, like like a ratchet. When you turn the ratchet, it, it continues to turn the nut even if you're going back some and and turning it some more. That's my kind of assumption is that they will continue to amass power for themselves until they become so big and so strong and so fra- like fragile that they will fall because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Um, yeah. I said that to, I had, uh, I was talking with Eric Brakey last week, uh, actually on Monday. And I said that the government has figured out, especially with Americans, they know exactly how far to push and stop, right? <laughs> right before they take two steps back, but they've already pushed you 10 so they know exactly how far they can push you without you getting violent because it felt like at some points it was like this is touch and go like people are going to start going crazy out there but they've perfected that. So I don't know where it leads. I think I think you're right. I think they will get too big, too bloated and you already see like you know when something is too big they can't they can't uh protect their flanks as well. They don't they don't really understand and then they they also start focusing on being a hammer rather than taking care of the the small details around them. So yeah, they're, they're leaking, they're dying. I don't think, yeah, and I'm not, so I don't know if I'm black-pilled or white-pilled or pink-pilled or whatever, but like, <laughs> I do know that I have very little faith in Klaus Schwab and his like designs for world domination. Like, it's really funny to me that he's so upfront about that. Like, he he really, really does believe in global governance so much that like, he talks about it as if it's not like literally what every villain in every piece of fiction that deals with anything political like has ever has ever done. Like it's every James Bond movie. It's yeah. Pinky in the Brain. I mean, it's everything. Like he's 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 trying to take over the world. And <laughs> like, but God I bless mean, these guys, man. They they have big dreams. Look, Bill Gates is talking about blocking out the fucking sun and yeah. and getting you to drink shit water. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate. Uh, their endeavors, but to do these things, I I just don't see how they can. It's there's yeah. so many people like like you know if if you've read Mises' uh, Human Action, you understand that there's seven billion people doing doing I don't know a hundred billion different things at at once, and you think yeah. you're gonna you're gonna centralize that? Uh, go so ahead. That's, yeah, that's where that's where so that's where I am. Like the the thing is they're not going to succeed, not because people are protesting them, but because they can't succeed. Like there's absolutely no way that a, a global empire could ever exist. Yeah. I'm they're going to try, they're going to try, they're going to, and they're going to cause a lot of, uh, a lot of chaos and death and destruction on their way to trying. Yeah. But ultimately, where does that get, where did, where did that get Nebuchadnezzar in the, (laughs) in the tower of Babel? You know? Yeah. That's this is what's it's what's happening again. They're they're taking aim. They're pointing their their arrow at the sky to shoot at God. Whatever you know, it doesn't matter if you believe it. But this it's the same story. It's the same archetype right. over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how that story ends, you know, I mean, it's 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 amazing it to ends. see it. <laughs> it never ends. It'll 
it'll be that, you know, I, I was telling my mom because she is deeply religious and she's like, we're living in the end times. And it's like, you know, how many people have said that throughout the history of humanity because it always looks worse, right? Yeah. Like, I just don't think that our time is, uh, is that much worse than maybe before. It just looks worse because of the technology that we're using. But when my kids are my age, there's going to be even crazier technology and they'll probably think that this is the end of the world, but who really yeah. knows? This, uh, that, that idea of end times. So there's, there's like several different sort of like theological visions of within Christianity. I mean, of like what the end of time is going to be. There's one that says like, things are going to get really shitty. Israel's going to rise up and like rebuild the temple. And then that's going to give Jesus permission now to come back and like reign from the temple in Israel and so that, I mean, that's what, that's what shaped American foreign policy in the early 20th century was this, mm. this eschatology. And that's why, like, we're so entangled with Israel right now um, yeah. was, because of, was because of these evangelical Christians who were in charge. Um, but that is like a uniquely American and kind of British theology. If you ask, like, the early Christians and, like, the Protestant reformers and that sort of thing— all of the like end time stuff is actually more symbolic and that we're like, like right now we might be ending in an end times. That does not mean that we're like at the time when Jesus is going to come back. It just means that like, we're at the end of a span of time, like an era. And I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, it gets back to that, that societal decay thing. And, you know, I mean, whether the second company, the second coming happens in 10 years or not, I think that bettering ourselves and I don't mean, God, I hate, I hate that, I hate that phrase, bettering myself, because everybody, whenever somebody says that, they're inevitably going to grad school, which fucking, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> come up with something better to better yourself. But uh, if we don't like enhance our state in life at the, at this end of end of the age, then we're going to be in a really dire situation when the new age kind of transitions. Um, yeah. And and you know we're we're having to watch other people rebuild it around us with no say in what happens in our individual lives. We have no idea what that's going to be like. It'll be like a new dark age. Sometimes I wonder like if these uh, world economic or the globalist types are, if they're trying to form this, like, like we spoke about before, are you trying to form this culture into, uh, into what you want to see or are they intentionally collapsing it because they already have an idea of what they want to build in its, in its stead. So it's, it's really, it's, it's hard to say. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're doing. I had an idea when you were talking that that I lost. I, <laughs> I let it slip. I forgot. Oh man, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, about it. Um, so your name is your your company name and sort of your pseudonym. I'm glad that you're going by Danny. By the way, I was going to ask you if it was okay for me to call you that because like I knew it, but I wasn't sure how public you were with it. I've already been doxxed by the Fakeitarian, so you could go ahead and yeah, call me whatever. I, I know. I wasn't sure. Like, okay, so um, but Top Lobster, I'm assuming, is from Jordan Peterson, like a reference to his work, right? Yeah. So uh, before I was like in libertarianism, I was I was a big fan of Jordan Peterson, and uh, you know the first chapter in his book, and even in his lectures before, he he always talked about the the lobster and the yeah. dominance hierarchy. And I guess the analogy he was making is that their uh, their neurological system is very similar to our neurological system, and every every time a lobster will fight, when one wins, he gets more dopamine, which is the same. Uh, I mean, we get hits of dopamine on on here all the time on on uh, Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Every time you win, the lobster stands up taller and larger and that ascends him higher up the dominance hierarchy. So it was a screen name that I was using and an email just for fun. I don't think many people got it, but it was like, you know, 
I'm in the top of the, top of the dominance hierarchy, just you know, joking around, and uh, and then it somehow turned into this. I just kind of used it, and people seem to like it. So yeah, yeah I'm I stuck love, with it. I, I love it. I think I think Jordan Peterson is better than libertarianism for like for like personal enrichment and really how to create a, a better society. Um, yeah. I don't think that you can create a good society from a political ideology, but you can from personal empowerment. If yeah. everyone took what Jordan Peterson has to say, then it wouldn't matter what kind of systems system of governance we had. <clears throat> yeah, clean your goddamn room, bucko. Or yeah. uh, Which, his better advice for Joe Rogan would have been, don't apologize to the mob, bucko. Jesus. For, yeah. For real, man. Yeah. Like, I, I cannot believe that Joe... Like, Sure. I mean, look, you don't want to say the N-word on every on, on a bunch of podcasts. Like I, I that's my that's my biggest criticism of the Tower Gang. But like yeah. I mean, he said it. Like it's there. It, these people are not looking for your apology. Like they're looking to punish you. You have yeah. to realize that. Like the we were talking earlier about how like the DSA meetings are like church services. The difference between the DSA and a and a church is that there's no room for redemption in leftist movements. That's the that's the the big thing. Like that's the big thing that separates them from traditional religions. Like they have their scapegoats, just like every other religion. They have like their 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 angels and their demons. And if you're the embodiment of the demon, if you're a racist or a, a perceived Nazi, or if you have the wrong kind of flag on your car or whatever it is, then you are scapegoated by them. And there's no redemption for the scapegoat. The scapegoat is shunned. They're cast out. That's that they are the sacrifice, and yeah. so you know when Joe Rogan, who has traditional leftist uh, political leanings, is is the is the scapegoat, you can't apologize. Like you you have to you have to you have to steal yourself against this. You have to lean on your tribe because you're going to be cast out by this tribe. That's going to happen, and so if you apologize to them and try to kowtow to them, then that looks bad to your tribe, like the people That's... who you who won't scapegoat you. That's the thing. It's people that are in a culture. I mean, if you want to talk about a, a culture war at the forefront, Joe Rogan is the guy on the right, whether he knows it or not. You are the leader of this culture war against the entire mainstream media and now the government. And he doesn't know it. Maybe he does, but I watch him every episode almost, and it doesn't seem like he's aware of it. He's aloof to it. He, he wants to still espouse left-wing views. That's fine. But this is like a very clear cut and dry thing now that the world is the world has been polarized or at least America, the world has been polarized so pick a side or you know get what you get now unfortunately that's how it is you can't be a fence sitter and with the n-word you know what tower gang say it this is a filter i my, my mom asked me she's like how come they like they say you, you guys say all crazy shit like you're cursing and so i was like because right away like the the intro starts off with crazy shit if you don't like it go away like there's yeah. enough people <clears throat> That do like this stuff. I'm not. We're not. I'm not trying to talk to the whole world. Fuck you. I want to talk to the people I want to talk to, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, does Cole say it a little bit too much? Maybe, <laughs> but it's. But he's from Alabama, like, so it's okay, right? It's part. Yeah, he grew up. That was his first word. So I mean, <laughs> we can't take that away from him, man. I, listen, I, I know that there's a. There might be a time and place and comedic timing, but then to say you're saying it too much or you're. You're not saying enough. I, I don't know. I'm just happy that the people who would hear it, if they don't like it, don't listen. You can complain about it. You can cry about it if you want to. And we're going to say, 
whatever. But yeah, I want I just want to talk to the people that I want to talk to at this point. I don't I don't even talk to most of my family anymore. Like 2020 to 2022 has like it's been such a like a clear defining moment for me where it's like I just I have a lot to do. I've got kids, I've got work, I've got business, I have another job. I don't have time for bullshit. I don't have time to dance around my words to try to be friends with people who have you know, especially now when your mind's opened up, like, you know, like the Joe Rogan thing, you're trying to be friends with people who hate you. Why? Why am I bothering with you? I'll go find my own people. And you know, if it, if I, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I do enjoy offending people. I enjoy, I enjoy watching them like squirm that I'm an asshole, I guess. But you know, my, my Twitter is very nice. If you see what I post my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, the people really? that I actually know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's the opposite most of the time. Most of the time, people are combating with strangers. I'll post a meme. I'll shit on some people here and there. With the people I actually know, I am... <laughs> I'm very combatant because I know you. And I, listen, I'm not afraid of physical conflict. They're not going to fight me. And if they do, then what? I mean, but I, I know you and I take more offense that you're, you're this stupid. So I'm going to talk to you about it. And I'll tell you exactly what I'm feeling. I have... <laughs> I have mostly, mostly for like for the most part, I've successfully in, in, uh, insulated myself from very unsavory characters, to say the least. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of friends who were like mask Nazis, for instance. Like I, I, most, I have a lot of friends who wore masks and are still wearing masks. I don't have anybody who is going to scream at me in a grocery store for not wearing one. I tend to be the one who's screaming at them for still wearing them, but that's because I'm also kind of an asshole. <laughs> I have this one friend who, I don't know, two and a half years ago was like, he was ready to go move to Las Vegas to be a cop. And the Las Vegas PD is the only police department in a major city that doesn't require a college degree. So if he didn't want to go back to school, but he did want to be a cop, and he desperately wanted to be a cop ever since childhood, he was going to go to Vegas and do it. Uh, thankfully, he failed their polygraph and was hmm. unable to become a cop in Vegas. Long story, he has no idea why he failed the polygraph, but I, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah. And I always was like, dude, you you have got to stop bootlicking so much. Like, just just he 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 loved he loved cop culture. He's always like, you should go on a ride along. You you should see what their job is really like. It's actually like really compassionate. It's like all this stuff. And like, granted, yes, there the majority of what cops do is driving around in a car like maybe saying hi to people or whatever, but like, it's not the majority that I'm worried about. It's the people who are murdering Duncan Lemp and that poor kid that was fucking, they, the SWAT, I forget his name, forgive me, but like this, this yeah. 22 year old kid in Minneapolis, another Minneapolis, uh, which is where I live. So it, it hits home police shooting where they just broke into the kid's house or it wasn't even his house. He was crashing on somebody's couch and he happened to have a gun. He, he's permitted and everything. Like he's got his concealed carry. And actually, if you look at the video, like even after being startled awake by the SWAT raid, he had perfect trigger and muzzle discipline, like just everything. And they shot him and killed him. And that's the stuff that I'm worried about that I don't want this guy to be in, involved in. Well, I, yeah. so he's, he's, he's mixed race. And after George Floyd, he took a complete 180. He now, you know, is not real big on the cops. Um, I don't think he was part of like the defund the police or anything like that, but you know, he no longer wants to become one. Uh, he quit his job as capital security in St. Paul um, and became a flight attendant. Great. You know, more power to you. Quit working for the government. That's awesome. But the thing is that that kind of swing away from being a bootlicker has gone 
in the opposite direction on everything. <laughs> and so yeah. now he's like, talk, like he, he just like brazenly posted this just complete shit talk about people like the entire state of Mississippi um, for being, you know, pig fucking ra- racists or whatever on his, and they're talking about the animal. I think it might've even been sheep fucking, but like on, <laughs> just on his, on his Snapchat story, it was like a group chat from work as if that's appropriate. Like people are getting fired from airlines for, no, that's, that that's fine. That's that's yeah, encouraged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's 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 against people in Mississippi. It's not against uh, against you know an approved victim class. But I, I guess my point is like, he's gone from the kind of person who would be like, literally throwing me on the boxcar because he's a cop, to cheering on the people who want to throw me on a boxcar. And I'm not sure which one is worse. <laughs> you missed him. You missed him in the middle. This is why yeah. I hate people like uh, Todd Hagopian and and uh, I don't know like Nicholas Sarwak. I mean, there's our these are obviously standard scapegoats for this kind of thing. But if you're trashing, in my opinion, when I see, when I see uh, libertarians that are, it, most of them have come from the right. That's why I think Dave Smith is doing such a great job. That's where I kind of came from, came from the right side. And then you have the left libertarians who not, are not just are left, but like who actively hate conservatives. And then they'll, they'll voice their opinion. I'm like, no one's coming here from the left. Like, the left is so ingrained in their religion and their culture. They dominate right now. You're not getting those people. But the disillusioned people from the right are all over the place. And when you when they get pushed away from the right, look at your friend. He swings all the way to the left. I wasn't. I knew that the story was going to end when you told when you were telling me. I'm like, he probably is like a BLM guy. As like you know, one of those shirts. It's like you got to grab those people on the swing and say, hey, uh, you know, this right, the, the stuff on the right, they have some good ideas, but they are. Let, let's refine those ideas. Don't go over here. This shit doesn't make any sense. Let's yeah. refine those and have some sensibilities about it. But, you know, we, we have a lot of leadership that just pushes them away. And it, with the Mises Caucus thing, I was one of the outspoken people who, uh, for vice chair, they were running uh, Eric Radsup. Yeah. And yeah I, yeah, I talk with Josh all the time and he's sending me, he's like, look at this guy. You know, before he went nuclear on him and I was like, this is just not good. Don't yeah. sacrifice your principles to uh, reach an olive branch to people that hate you. I guess this is a theme of this show. Stop doing that shit. They hate you. Understand that. <laughs> Stay away from them. If they, want, if they want to come to you, they have to meet you. They are just, they're lost right now. And you got to understand that. Sharpen your skills, work on your shit here. But yeah, I, I really can't, I can't stand the libertarians that actively push them away. You know, you've got to like leave something open for them and kind of just just persuade them a little bit but that's where that's where it's going to come from when when this shit falls we have to build we have to build there and, and a lot of our power is going to come from people on the right even if they're republicans still conservatives bring them a little bit closer yeah know? there's this guy in uh Iowa so he's he's like LP Iowa just like Josh um but he's he was DMing me the other day asking me to talk to this trans woman who is like real active at outright libertarians which is like the just absolute word. They're like the DSA of the Libertarian Party. They're just awful. But they're like the LGBTQ organization within the LP. And uh, they are, to my mind, like the the polar opposite of the Mises Caucus. Um, huh. And like Fakertarians, I'm I'm guessing that the transgender or non-binary or whatever, whatever they are, the one that wears the cat ears on the cat person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing they're probably aligned with uh with outright. Anyway. There's this trans woman in outright in Iowa who um, <clears throat> this guy was like, hey, can you can you talk to her? Because, uh, you know, like she's starting to kind of feel like the Mises caucus might not be so bad. And I'd love to I'd love to present a good a good like LGBT 
you know, messenger of the Mises. I'm like, no, dude, she's not going to listen to me. <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe she'll come around, but it's not going to become, it's not going to be because like I reasoned her into it. Um, yeah. And I was talking to Josh about it yesterday and he was like, oh yeah, no, we're working on her campaign. She's running for Senate. Uh, my, my fiance is working. And I'm like, that's how you're going to win her over. Like make mm. friends. Don't, don't try to, pers- don't, don't try to persuade these people. Like they're, they're not <laughs> rational. My, my, there, are, there are some people who will be persuaded by your arguments, but that, this is not them. My input would have been just to ignore completely anyway, but you know, God bless, yeah. God bless Josh. It, maybe that'll work, but I'm like, yo, I'm just not wasting one more second with these people, you know, mm-hmm. just not going to do it. If anything, it'll poison because if you come over and you start asking, you know, then you're cool and you start asking me to make concessions. I'm just, I've already played, we've played that game. We've made yeah. concessions. No mm-hmm. more, no more sacrificing. This is what I think. That's it. It's actually why. I'm not a fan of Jordan Peterson anymore. I am. I still appreciate him, but maybe 2018, 2017, when he uh, he was saying, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Brett Kavanaugh. You remember that whole thing? No. What did you say about Brett Kavanaugh? All right. So Brett Kavanaugh is a retard anyway. He wrote, he co-wrote the Patriot Act, and he's obviously awful on a number of issues. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. this was a culture war issue. And this was the left trying to defame him. You remember that, right? That he yeah. Brett, raped- so Brett Kavanaugh, just for people who don't remember, he was Trump's um, judicial, like the Supreme Court nominee, who those two women came forward saying that he raped them in college, and yeah. like nothing ever came of it. It turned out one, at least one of them was just outright lying, and the other one presented no evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? Yeah. What did Jordan Peter? So what did Peterson say about that? I don't. I, I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't pay attention. It's the first. It's the first sign of weakness that I noticed from him, where he was like. Uh, he was saying, you know, uh, the right needs to reach out to the left and and basically make a concession and tell him f- find another uh, find another appointee, which mm. they should have for other reasons because he's terrible. <laughs> he's but, really bad. But yeah, n- yeah, not that reason. Stop, stop kowtowing to these people. So that was like originally when Jordan Peterson was like, you know, they, they should they should do this, and I was just like, nah, you're losing the plot here. And then you know, it, more recently. Again, he's lost the plot, and maybe he's come to his senses. He's he has a soft spot in my heart, so I'm open. I'm open to him. Learn. I'm telling Jordan Peterson to learn, but you know, he's like he, he posted at one point. Well, I took he, he watched this show, so he'll he'll listen to your. Yeah, message. he'll listen. Perfect. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I took your damn shots, Trudeau, and uh, you know, enough is enough. I took two, and that's enough. It's like no, you zero zero is enough. Or when they ask you, fuck you. That's that's enough. Yeah, not that's- I'll do this. You know. That's where that's where I'm at. Like I got I got the original two shots because you know I didn't I, I'm fat and unhealthy and I don't want to get COVID. Like fine, uh, yeah. That's a so, different reason. But, if you're but, doing it to like, comply, yeah. And and like I didn't I had no illusions that it was going to make things better. You know, for societally, um, and like you know, I mean, now that Minneapolis has a vaccine mandate, like I'm not going to restaurants in Minneapolis. Like I'm just I've boycotted the city. And I've made it clear to the places where I'm a regular that I am boycotting this city. I'm not boycotting you, but if you were to stand up and like buck this mandate, I would be through your door in a second. I'd eat there every night. I'd bring my friends there, et cetera. Like I'm, uh, it's tragic to me that first of all, I'm not going to say that I fell for it. Like I think that the science was pretty was pretty good on the vaccines. Like I mean, there were there were there were anom- not anomalies. There were there were holes in the research that I was willing to overlook because I generally have a trust in medicine, like per se, not the pharmaceutical companies, but like me and my doctor have a good rapport, or at least we have had one. He's pushing the booster on me and I'm not going to get it. But, you know, I mean, I, I follow his advice generally. 
And so that's why I got the vaccine. And and I, I I'm not gonna say I regret it, but like I I just don't like the politics behind it. That's all I guess that's all I'm saying. That's that's really what it comes down to. And from what I I don't know Jordan Peterson's read reasons for getting it. Maybe he is immunocompromised and I understand why people would go and get a, a vaccine if they felt that it would make them safe. And and at the time, maybe it would. But when you say like, hey, I did what you asked and you didn't hold up your bargain to give me yeah, back my liberty. As if they like, were ever going to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, I learned that from you. You're the one who said this. You said it in your books. You've said it in your lectures. Like, they don't stop. They're going to keep pushing you. He, on the first time he was on Joe Rogan, he says, they'll, you know, they'll keep pushing you and you'll look down and you'll be a mile from where you started. You said that, Jordan. I didn't say that. And here we are. You're, now, you're, now you're a living example of what you told us not to do. It's kind of amazing. And it's kind of, like, that's, that's my gripe with him. It's like, you've told so many people this and don't live it. I just don't, I don't understand that. You know? Yeah, it's like, you're not holding up to your convictions. Like, what is this? I was saying all throughout 2020, because, you know, I mean, that was during his little time in Russia where he was sick. I kept saying that like what the world, like the world has never needed Jordan Peterson more than it does now. And I was so disappointed yeah. when he came back and um, was not just complete. And the thing is, Michaela, his daughter was like, she was really outspoken. I mean, she's kind of a hussy and kind of like just not persuasive. Uh, but she was, she was outspoken and she was saying that he would be outspoken if he were, if he were well enough to, you know, to speak out. And then he, he came back and he was well enough to speak out and he didn't. Um, yeah. It's like, I feel like even, I mean, he has some different ideas, but I feel like now he's performing his greatest hits. You'll see that a lot on, yeah. on podcasts, you know, uh, uh, James Lindsay, for instance, love what he's saying. Went on Joe Rogan, greatest hits of what you've been seeing him talk about. Then he goes on other podcasts and it's just a recap of what he said on Joe Rogan. I, yeah. I think that, uh, the naturalist capitalist redid a good job of kind of bringing him into a different territory. But you'll see oh, really? that a lot. Yeah, yeah. They they touched on other things that weren't. I think he even told Reed. He said this was this was a more fun interview than the Joe Rogan one because I didn't just ask you. You know, like I know what you you do good. Here's a softball, and you hit that out the park. It's like let's improvise. Let's play a little jazz. I, you know, I like your recorded material, but let's do a twenty minute solo where you just kind of noodle off the top of your head. We did a good job of that. Yeah, but you'll see, I, if you're a fan of podcasts, you'll notice that a lot. Like someone will have someone on and then they'll make the rounds on your other favorite podcast. And it's like, this was oh, yeah. the same, this was the same interview because right. now they're just, yourself. Right? Yeah. But it's up to the interviewer. I think you're doing a good job right now because you're getting me uh, to like noodle and talk about stuff that I haven't really mentioned on other podcasts, but just like poke a little bit and move them somewhere else so that we can keep it creative. And uh, Jordan Peterson I don't think he's done that. I mean, 2018 Jordan Peterson and today's is fairly similar, but we're two years into the most fascistic tyranny that you know the world's ever been through. So where's your message? People who are saying the same thing that they were saying in 2019 uh, today are like, they're, they're, they're to me like worse than useless. And again, mm. I, I, I hate to keep bringing up reason, but that's, I mean... Jesus Christ. Like the fact that Reason Magazine like was citing the CDC in tweets and in their articles and their science writer Ron Bailey is just tragic. That's I mean that's the real thing. They're just taking all their advice from him and he's just regurgitating everything that the that the government scientific bodies 
have to say. Um, yeah. But, what oh, a tragedy. But they'll, but they'll, yeah, they'll say like, they'll say like, uh, you know, oh, the, 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 uh, Hopefully the the CDC's newest guidelines will convince more people to take the vaccine or whatever. But like, they'll, but they'll also say like, oh, but Jordan, uh, Joe Rogan should never be censored, and and uh, but you know, Spotify is a private company, so they can do whatever they want. They can censor, but the government, like, it's just they're they, doing. They don't, yeah, to me, they're they're doing more of a disservice to the science than like Dr. Fauci, because I I immediately don't trust Dr. Fauci. But when they do this kind of stuff, it kind of re, it reinforces in my mind where I want to. In my, in my mind, I want to just, anytime there's a corporate narrative about science, I want to dismiss it. But there are good things that come from that. Like, like you're saying, like, you know, there are scientists doing shit. But now I have to, I have to become like, I don't know, one of these people that are like, you know, you know, the trope, all the Jews control the weather. It's like, no, four of them control the weather. But <laughs> now I have to, like, like, you're making me want to generalize all of this great study and, and throw it out. When they... We're we're lost as a society, man, because we we do need those people. They know what they're doing, but I can't trust any of them. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what. Well, and I, actually, I just had a brief interaction with Kathy Young, who I, I don't know if she still writes for a reason, but she's she's got them in their bio still, so maybe she does. Um, but like, she's criticizing Glenn Greenwald because Glenn Greenwald is you know saying that the the obvious thing that Joe Rogan like. <clears throat> represents a threat to the to the media uh mm. and that's like that's why that's why he's being canceled it's not because like he's actually promoting junk science or whatever um like not not because he said the n-word he yeah he's he's saying things that aren't allowed to be said and kathy young responds uh can't glenn contemplate the possibility that others are sincerely concerned about rogan's podcast being a vehicle for vaccine skeptics and so I respond to her, have you com- contemplated that people are sincerely concerned that the vaccines are something to be skeptical about and <laughs> that people who voice those concerns are being suppressed? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, she's just, uh, she called, she responded to me, um, calling it junk science and paranoid bullshit. Like, I'm, I, 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 my response to her was simply, how can you possibly know it's junk science? Um, she didn't respond to that. But like, how can she? She's a, she's a journalist and, a, and not a very good one at that. Like, yeah. I don't understand how libertarians can they're, just drink this propaganda up. They're terrified. It's, it's, it's complete. I, I think, I think it's just complete fear. I think, and, and you see the people who are, who are scared and you see the people who, uh, I mean, I'm, 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 I was a little scared in the beginning and I'm still scared now, not about the virus, but about everything, yeah. but you've got to be brave. Like what other, there's no other choice you have. And the people who are cowardly, they will always take that path of what's approved and what everyone else is saying because they can hide in the they can hide in the flock and keep their head down. They understand you pick your head up and get it cut off. But uh, we're at a point where that's that's what you got to do. And the more people that stick their head up, the the less people get their heads cut off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've seen that. You've seen that cartoon with the with the guy cracking the whip and like yes. what, like all the people like all the people are bowing down to him. Then one person stands up. And then everyone starts standing up and then the guy with the whip like has no power. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. But we also have to be careful with like, like I said before, throwing away all of this science. It's my, it's my general instinct to do it, but yeah. it's not, it's just not good to do. <laughs> yeah. Like the, well, you know, I mean, a year, a year ago to two, a year and a half ago, whenever it was, I mean, everybody, everybody on our side was talking about herd immunity. It turned out that herd immunity is kind of bullshit. Like that's not going to happen here. Um, this is going to be the flu. 
Uh, and yeah. so like, you know, we, we had to eat a little bit of crow on that and, and that's fine. I'm happy to eat crow, but I wish that the other side would also do the rest of us that favor of eating their crow because they, they've been wrong about so much more than the, the scientists that we listen to. Which is why I don't even interact with them. They're wrong. They will never admit that they're wrong. They move on to the next thing and they gaslight yeah. you. We're, we're yeah. so concerned about being, you know, I love Tom Woods, but we're concerned about making charts and proving them wrong. They don't give a fuck. It's great. Yeah. It's great to reinforce us, but they're like, they just don't care. They're not signing up to that email list. So it's like, I was on, I was on a panel with uh, Scott Horton and, and Dave Smith. And I had asked them at one point, they kind of like, they were like, ah, like, fuck you. But I was like, yeah, I was like, why are you even, why are you being honest with these people? Or not just honest, but being consistent. Like if, if somebody calls a Bill Clinton a pedophile, I just say, yeah, like <laughs> I'm not interested in, in uh, like, well, wh- where are the flight logs? And I don't care. You call them pedophile. Let's just say, yeah, and run with that shit. Cause that's what you do. And, and, and you're shaping a narrative. So I'm just like, all right, whatever. But you know, I understand people want to be consistent about stuff and they should. There's a time and there, there are people that should be consistent for me. Like, yo, fuck it. Go, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm about to call the rock well, a pedophile and see where that goes because he's pissing me off too. Yeah, he's just. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into. The, I don't want to get into the rock because holy shit! Yeah. If ever, I mean, if ever there was somebody who should not be bowing down, it's him. Like, the yeah. Lord. Like, if I wasn't already dead inside, that would have killed me. But yeah. <laughs> and if this had been, if this had been 20 years ago when I was a huge professional wrestling fan and like you know it was totally smelling what the rock was cooking and he came out. And it was like, like uh, just becoming a woke skull. Like, I can't, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine just what that would have done to my, to my psyche. Anyway. Um, Maybe there's a conspiracy theory about uh, where professional wrestling goes and society goes. Because once the Attitude Era ended and you moved into this, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it was some other shit. Now it's like real PC. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's it. I still watch it from time to time, but it's just oh, yeah. like cool. it's garbage. But before you, you grew up in that era where it was like real. The Rock was saying crazy shit, and Stone Cold yeah. was you know flipping everyone off. Now you're in this milk toast era where they can't touch too many lines. Product is garbage. Kind of interesting how that moves with the culture. <laughs> I almost, yeah, I almost feel like I almost feel like tuning in just to see what it's doing. I didn't even think about it like that. I mean, I know yeah. that like women wrestlers became a huge deal um, in recent years. Uh, yeah, well, with everything, some are good, some are bad. You know. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. I. Uh, I think I stopped watching. Like the last Monday Night Raw that I watched was when Stephanie McMahon and Triple H got married. Uh, <laughs> this is this is this is this is this has just become like the Young and the Restless. I don't I don't want to watch this. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. I tune in. I mean, I. Again, we're off tra- we're off topic here, but yeah, I fine. think the I think the wrestling has gotten better in years. Like people are more dynamic and athletic. Really. But, oh yeah, yeah. probably because they bought ECW, right? Because WWF just yeah. basically bought up WCW and ECW, right? Yeah, ECW and uh, like uh, what was it? Was that called Luchador? That stuff, like the Spanish wrestling, where they're doing high flying stuff and flips and mm-hmm. shit. That makes it interesting, but storylines are really what it's about, and they're just not. Some sometimes they'll grab you, but most of the time they're just not there. Maybe because they have to be careful with what they do and say, you know, mm-hmm. like like everything else in in entertainment these days. Not many great shows coming out, you know? See them here and there, but for the most part, it's just uh, the same shit rehashed because you can't, you know, it seems like the left can't create, but it's another another subject. Some of the best TV shows are super subversive too. I mean, just like whatever the, 
whatever the attitude of the age is, they kind of run counter to it. Like, you know, I mean, Mad Men is the most anti-feminist show and it was one of the best shows. And um, like uh, American Horror Story, the the season with the, I think it was called Cult, where like the, the it was like a, it was like a, it started out, you thought that it was going to be like a Trump cult. It was going to be like the, the right wing um, followers of this, you know, presidential candidate who you know was Donald Trump. But it actually ended up being like a left wing cult. Exactly what we're seeing today, this this huh. you know, progressive religion. It was such a, it was so surprising to me watching that. I was like, oh my God, they're going to be just making a complete caricature of the right because it's trendy and they didn't. And it was so good. Okay, anyway, why don't, unless you have something to say about TV, we can move uh, on I agree with you. It's, it's always a treat when uh, when it does go the other way. I yeah. just can't. My wife can't even watch stuff with me because I'm like I'm very sensitive to the propaganda, and I'll just be like, yeah. "That's bullshit," and this is I, why. <laughs> I suppress it. I I have I don't even use the word narrative around my partner anymore because it makes him roll his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to do. <laughs> I know. Like I'm too woke for this shit, man. I can't watch it. <laughs> oh. Hey, right, David. Cool. What's well, up, David? <laughs> oh, David Brady. Hey, what's up, bud? Uh, he's actually here in Minnesota. He's thinking about running for the my position on the on the LPMN. So uh, cool. I think you have to be over thirteen, David. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, why don't you drop your links and we can get out of here? Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Top Lobster underscore toplobster.com. I have uh, break the cycle. Naturalist Capitalist, Liberty Lockdown, No Way Jose, Tower Power Hour merch up there and all of my shit up there. And uh, Top Lobster with an A everywhere else. That's where you can find me. I'll be at the Florida convention on the 25th. So if you're out there on the Saturday, come say what's up. And uh, yeah, maybe awesome. I'll are have you, some Are you going to be at the Reno, the national convention? Uh, I, I got to convince my wife. But it, if, you know, I, <laughs> I'm trying to become a delegate. If I do become a delegate, I think I, I, think I will try to get get down there. Right. I've, I've never actually been to Reno or the West Coast in general, so it would be cool. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Well, if you make it, we'll see you there. I, I might be able to make it to Florida, but um, it'll be good to see you if we do or if you do. Um, and if not, we'll bump into each other at some point. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot for giving us some time and uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, brother. I had a blast. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for checking out this episode of Blackbird. If you like what you heard today, be sure you're subscribed on your podcatcher of choice. You can find me anywhere by searching Blackbird with James Gentleman. Follow me on Twitter at JamesLJ. My DMs are always open, so if you have feedback, ideas, or have something interesting to say and would like to appear on Blackbird, just drop me a line there. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to all my interviews, plus plenty of bonus content, head over to blackbirdpodcast.com, toss me $7 a month or $70 a year, and I'll get you all set up. You can also find me on Odyssey, where I'm posting the video of my interviews. Just search for Blackbird there or click the link in the show notes. And finally, if you haven't already, please leave me a rating and a review over at iTunes. It really helps the show. Thanks again for listening to Blackbird, and until next time, live free. 